Hey there, welcome to the Lighthouse Church Sermon Broadcast. The title of today's message is Not Coping, subtitled A Theology of Suffering. Have you ever felt that you're just not coping? Perhaps you feel like that right now. The pressure is way too high. Your trial has gone on for far too long. You're feeling overwhelmed. You can't see any hope in sight. There's no proverbial light at the end of the tunnel. And if your situation isn't hard enough, your questions make it even worse. Where is God in all of this? Shouldn't he have rescued me? Is he punishing me? Or why do I feel like this? Has my faith failed? What's wrong with me? Perhaps you can identify with this text. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. I'll be reading from the New International Version. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. These words were written by the Apostle Paul, to describe an overwhelmingly difficult time in Asia. Look at the words that he used to describe the situation. Under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. We despaired of life itself. We felt we had received the sentence of death. Over the pandemic, more people than ever before have found themselves in this kind of place. If you're feeling any of this, you're not alone. If you're not, chances are excellent that someone close to you is feeling like this. So today, we're going to look for help in the pages of the Bible. And Paul's words that we've just read are very helpful Right away they teach us one vital truth. Even God's children can experience this level of struggle. Even God's children. Now, some people believe that if we have faith, we'll always live in victory. We'll always be on the mountaintop, never in the valley. If we do end up in a valley for some reason... Our faith will soon take us back to the mountaintop again. I was wondering what people who believe this would have said to Paul. Paul, where's your faith? Paul, time to replace those negative confessions with positive faith words. Paul, God will never put you in a situation beyond what you can bear. Friends, we have many Wonderful promises from God. We should believe them. But Jesus also promised us trouble. And we need to believe that as well. Listen to these words of Jesus. John chapter 16 and verse 33. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Matthew 24, verse 9. 
You will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. I'm personally so grateful for Paul's vulnerability in sharing these feelings. Even this man who God used so powerfully could feel like this. Even this man who was so devoted to the purposes of God faced struggles that overwhelmed him. Now, as I say these things, I know some people will be thinking, but doesn't the Bible promise us that God will not put us in situations beyond what we can bear? Now, Paul's words that we've just read say a clear no. This incorrect belief often comes from a misunderstanding about a promise about temptation. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So Paul was writing here about avoiding sin and particularly idolatry. What he was saying is that God will not allow us to be tempted so severely that we will be unable to resist sinning. But some have misunderstood this. They've taken to think that it means just God won't subject us to anything that's beyond our ability to bear. Possibly because the Greek word that is translated tempted uh, also speaks of being tested. So it can, can uh, speak of trials. And in the second letter that we've been reading from, Paul made it very clear that he was subjected to a trial that was beyond him. It actually drove him into despair. So God's children can experience trials that are beyond them. Now, Paul gives us a reason for this. But before we look at this reason, let's deal with a related understanding. Trials like this do not necessarily mean that we have sinned. Because of the curses of the old covenant with Israel, some people believe that all trials and sicknesses are a punishment for sin. Jesus' disciples evidently believed that because they asked Jesus about this. We find this in John chapter 9, the first three verses. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? That he was born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now friends, it is very true that sometimes we sin and we experience the results of our sin. And this can be a severe trial for us. But Jesus made it clear here that all trials, all adversity, is not the result of our sin. 
writing about their own terrible trial, Paul didn't even mention that as a possibility because the Lord had shown him the reasons. Let's read that. Back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope, that he will continue to deliver us. So here Paul explains, trials that are beyond us cause us to rely on God and not on ourselves. When you and I experience trials that we're able to cope with, we can use our own resources to cope with them. We can use our own strength, our own abilities. We can rely on ourselves. But when we experience trials that we cannot cope with, we can't rely on ourselves. We have to rely on God. These times take us from being self-reliant to God-reliant. We go from being self-confident to God-confident. We know that we don't have what it takes. But we also know that our Heavenly Father does. When we've reached the end of ourselves and experienced the deliverance of God, our faith is so much stronger and purer, focused on God. Verse 11 teaches us another vital lesson. Others help us through our trials as they pray. 2 Corinthians 1.11 As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. So trials that are beyond us cause us to reach out to God. They also cause us to reach out to the family of God. Friends, we are not called to endure our trials alone. As we call on God ourselves, we should also ask others to help us in prayer. When we pray for each other, Paul says we help each other. It's like we're walking together through the trial. And when the Lord brings us through, we celebrate his deliverance together. So prayer for others is a form of partnership. When we pray for a person, we pray for a church or we pray for a nation, we are partnering with them, standing with them, fighting with them. And in due time, we will celebrate with them. The Lord has answered our prayers. This is where discipling relationships are so helpful when we follow Jesus with others. When we're sharing our walk with Jesus with somebody else, we can ask that person or we can ask that small group that we're a part of to partner with us in our trial, to pray for us. So let's not fight our battles alone. Let's ask others to pray 
So, overwhelming trials come to God's people. But they have some glorious results. They result in our reliance shifting from ourselves to God. They result in our partnership with others as we ask them to pray. Now they also change the way that we treat others. Trials actually make us a greater blessing to others. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and we'll look before our text where we're reading verses 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So these trials make us a blessing to others. I'm so aware personally of the way the Lord has used trials to make me a better friend and a better pastor. His comfort in my trials has made me better able to comfort you in your trials. My not coping times have made me better at helping you in your not coping times. This is what happens. Our struggles bring about a humility. A humility that helps us to walk with people who are struggling. Instead of looking down on them and speaking down, just tossing a couple of scriptures to them. They also bring about an empathy that enables us to be more understanding, even to feel with them, to kind of feel what they're feeling. We've been there. We know how this feels. And these trials bring about a faith that helps us to encourage them. The Lord has brought us through overwhelming trials. He will bring them through their overwhelming trials. So the scriptures tell us that although we can be put through trials that are beyond us, these trials produce the most amazing fruit. We go from being self-reliant and self-confident to God-reliant and God-confident. We learn to partner with others in prayer, sharing both trials and victories together. We become a greater blessing to others, able to help them through their trials. When we recognize these things, now the words of Peter and James make so much more sense. See if you see what I mean as we read them. First Peter chapter 1 verses 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice, though for now, for a little while, you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honor when Christ Jesus is revealed. In James chapter 1 verses 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know 
that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. These overwhelming trials produce gold in us. One last perspective. We will outlive our trials and with a glory that far outweighs them. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Even if we never see the end of a trial in this life, we will see the end of that trial. And for all eternity, one day we will look back and we will celebrate not just a mere temporary victory or a temporary healing, but our eternal victory, our eternal healing. From the view of our glorious eternity, our greatest and most painful trials will look small. Not that they are small to us now, but we look forward to that day when our heavenly joy will overwhelm our earthly tears. So, we will outlive our trials with a glory that far outweighs them all. I pray that these words will give you faith and courage as you face your trials, and that they will make you a blessing to others as they face their trials. Amen.